Welcome to Ominous Ones. I'm Tara. And I'm Connor. And this is a shorter episode, but it's an interesting one. So, Pi Car, I can't pronounce his first name, but he goes by Pi, so I'm going to call him Pi. Pi Car married Peggy in 1988. They both had kids from previous marriages and ended up with four kids and one grandkid. The kids were in their teens and 20s, and they lived in Alturas, Florida. And I think all of the kids lived at the house with them. There was Travis, who was Pi's son. Dwayne was Peggy's son. Delina and Tammy were both Pi's daughters, and Casey, who was Pi's granddaughter. Peggy worked at a local restaurant as a waitress. They also had just gotten married, or they had just gotten married, and the relationship was already rocky. With Peggy thinking that Pi was cheating on her. That's a good start to the wear- marriage. Especially with that many kids involved, I'm like, you should probably be more serious. While at work one day, Sissy, Peggy's daughter, stopped to see her mom at work. While they were visiting, Peggy said that she didn't feel good, so Sissy told her to go home and take it easy. She listened, and later Peggy's son found her on the couch, much sicker, and she couldn't talk. She was taken to the hospital, where, when she could talk a little bit, said that she felt like she was on fire. That's fun. Yeah, this is escalating quickly. For three days, doctors tried to find out what was wrong with Peggy, but they couldn't find the cause. After the three days, they thought it was all in her head, and she was getting better, so they sent her home. After she got back home, she immediately got really sick again and couldn't talk. So they're poisoning her. Maybe. She wrote her family a note that said, quote, my feet are killing me, unquote. Her stepson, Dwayne, and her son, Travis, took her back to the hospital, but on the way, they both noticed their feet felt like they were also on fire. They told the doctors this, and it was then thought that the whole family was being poisoned. They first thought the poison could be arsenic, but when Peggy's hair started to fall out, they changed that thought to thallium poisoning. Thallium is tasteless and has no smell, and one gram can kill a person. It used to be used as rat poison, but was banned by the EPA in 1972. So it's really potent stuff. Obviously, this is escalating quickly. I love that I called it because the last few I just take a guess at. I was way off track, so. Well, you gotta win once in a while. Peggy and Travis's symptoms got worse really fast. I guess faster than they already were. This is really escalating. Peggy was tested for thallium and they found that she had 20,000 times the normal amount in her system. Soon, Travis was on a respirator and Peggy went into a coma. She died quickly in March of 1988. So they got married. She thought he was cheating on her and she died in March. All that happened in 88. What month did they get married? In March? I. It just says early in 1988. There's not much on the case. Early in 88. So I mean January, February, March. Yeah, so... So all within three months so at most. Married in January, cheating in February, dead in March. Jesus, for the love of God. Was a life insurance policy pulled out in that time frame? You'll see. Travis ended up in the hospital for six months, and Dwayne was in there for two months, but they both survived. After Peggy's death, the cops started looking around their house. 
They checked about a hundred different items around the house, including the well water. No thallium was found until they checked under a kitchen counter and found an eight-pack Coke of Coca-Cola in bottles. After checking these bottles, they found four were positive for thallium and four were empty. Somebody had drank them. The FBI was brought in because of the product tampering. The sodas were tested and they figured out that all eight had been opened and thallium was put in and then they were sealed so well it was hard to tell. But on close examination, they could see tool marks around the caps. No one else in the area was complaining of symptoms, so cops figured the family was being targeted. The cops asked Coca-Cola if they had any other reports of thallium poisoning in their soda, and they said no. So, it was just this family, but was it his kids at all, or just her and her kids? I think it was her and his sons. I think at least one is his son. Jesus. The family was questioned about the soda and no one claims to have bought it, but they never locked the doors to the house so anyone could have come in and put it there. That's safe. Well, it was in the 80s. I don't think anyone was like, oh, lock your doors. The cops said that it would have taken too long for someone to do it at the store, so someone would have had to buy them, take it home, or somewhere that they could open all of it up put the thallium in, use the tools, the special tools that they had to reseal them, put it back in, and then get in and out of the house without the family noticing. Sounds like quite a task. At first, the main suspect was Peggy's husband, Pi, who was out of town when the family started to feel sick. He was taken off of that list because he himself had drank some of the soda and he tested positive for thallium and his son was poisoned with it and they didn't think that he would go that far. A few months before all of this, a letter was received by the Carr family. It was made out to Pi Carr spelled wrong. It was spelled P-I-E, but his nickname is P-Y-E. It was anonymous and was typewritten on a post-it note. It said, quote, you and your so-called family have two weeks to move out of Florida forever or else you all die. This is no joke, unquote. And it clearly wasn't. Pi and the family thought it was a joke and didn't do anything, but the cops did hear about it. So they were like, it's serious enough that we should tell the cops about it, but not serious enough that we're going to do anything about this. So with Pi off the top of the list, the cops started looking into the family's neighbors, specifically George Trapal. George lived next door to the family with his wife, Dr. Diane Carr. Spelled the same, but oddly no relation to the neighbors. George was a self-taught chemist and was a freelance computer programmer who worked from home. His wife, Diana, was a doctor who specialized in orthopedic surgery and had majored in chemistry in college. People who knew the couple said Diana was the dominant one in their relationship and said George was pretty passive about everything. The couple was pretty smart and both belonged to Mensa. The car what is Mensa? It's like this club that really smart people belong to and you have to have like such a high IQ and they invite you into it. I don't think you can ask to be involved. It's for smart people. Okay. And they were both in it. The car family that was sick didn't believe George was capable of poisoning them, but did tell the cops they had problems with each other, but said the problems were really with Diana and not George. 
except one time George had reported Pi to the zoning board after Pi built a room above his garage for his daughter and granddaughter. Pi had to pay a fine and the construction on the room was slowed down while he got the right permits, but I don't know if Pi knew that it was George who reported him. Because when they're asking him like, oh, who do you think is poisoning you? He's like, I don't know, definitely not George. George wouldn't do that. But George Diane, did it. But Diana's a jerk and she's mean to us. The houses were kind of close together, but they had no other close neighbors. People said that the two families didn't get along and argued about a lot of stuff like loud music and fireworks going off all the time. The two who really didn't get along were Diana and Peggy's stepson, Dwayne, who lived with the cars. People remembered a big fight between Diana and Peggy about Dwayne and his, quote, bad behavior, unquote. Two days before Peggy was taken to the hospital, Diana showed up to the car's house and was yelling about their music. The family said she was freaking out much more than was actually necessary. Peggy just walked away from Diana and Diana yelled at her, quote, you won't get away with this, unquote. The cops thought it was George and not Diana, even though they both had chemistry backgrounds because the FBI said that he fit the profile for a poisoner. George, being a self-taught chemist, had a conviction on his record from 1975 for not just making meth and selling it, but he was it was one of the largest meth labs in the southeast. Jesus. He ended up serving three years in jail over it. People who knew him said that on road trips, he would pick up hitchhikers, give them food laced with different drugs, and give it to them without their knowledge just to see what would happen to them. He also coated his doorknob in college with hallucinogens that would get someone high if they just touched it, and he was doing this because he was paranoid that people were going in his room and he wasn't there. So he's like, you're going on a free ride, buddy. Yeah, he's like, have fun. Both George and his wife were interested in true crime, and George thought he was an expert with crime scenes. He would practice at Mensa meetings where they would have murder mystery parties where someone would set up a murder and crime scene and everyone else would have to try to solve it. A month before Peggy got sick, George and his wife set up one of these parties, and in the booklet he sent to the other Mensa members, he wrote, quote, When a death threat appears on the doorstep, prudent people throw out all of their food and watch what they eat. Hardly anyone dies from magic. Most items on the doorstep are just a neighbor's way of saying, I don't like you, move or else, unquote. So. Yeah, but the or else is what... Got them. That's mad shady. He was soon interviewed and they said he was acting nervous and was complaining the whole time. They asked him if he knew why someone would want to hurt the Carr family and he said, quote, someone must have wanted them to move out of the neighborhood, unquote. He was like, I don't know who did it, but... They must have wanted them to move They bad. should have just probably left town is all I'm saying. I don't know who did it. That's mad sus. Pretty much. The cops interviewed about 50 people that were friends and acquaintances of the family, but says George was the only one to make a comment like that, and it fit the weird post-it note. He told the cops he went to Diana's work with her all the time, so he wouldn't have had the time to sneak into their house to leave the sodas. The Carr family said that wasn't true, and he was actually always at his house. He also told the cops he didn't know anything about Thallium, but they looked into it, and that was a lie. When he got that meth conviction previously, 
They knew that he had been using a unique method and that it included thallium. So I'm like, that's not even a good lie. He thinks he's so smart. He's like, I don't know anything about thallium, but it's on his record that he had been using it in his meth. <laughs> were there a lot of junkies that were dropping dead too, or he was just not trying to kill them because he needed customers, so he didn't put it enough to kill them? I think it's the customer theory. One of the detectives, Susan Gorick, I think is how you say that, went undercover to get closer to George since the cops didn't have enough on him yet. She went under the name Sherry Ginn and pretended to be a Mensa member. The two got closer and she was invited to their house, usually alone with George because Diana worked so much. He never told her that he did it, but he did say that he couldn't stand people who weren't as smart as him. Susan, a.k.a. Sherry, also saw the book The Pale Horse written by Agatha Christie, and in that book, the murderer killed his victims with thallium. Not evidence, but I'm like, that's odd. It was also found that the couple had a special BDSM room, which isn't relevant, but I found it strange enough to include it. Susan told George that she was divorcing her husband, and George told her that she should just poison him so she could get everything. She also learned that George made his own wine, and to do that, he used a special tool that would put lids and caps back onto bottles. This whole undercover operation lasted two years because George wouldn't confess. He'd just say stuff like that, like, get right up to him. Be like, well, you should just poison your husband. Stuff like that, but yeah, it lasted two years because he wouldn't crack. Jesus. After two years, they finally got a break in the case when Diana wanted to move to start a new doctor practice. The couple moved to Sebring, Florida, and Susan moved into their old house. And since she knew them, she moved in before all of their stuff was out. So she was like, oh, you guys are moving? I need a new place. And they're like, great, move in, but our stuff is not. She's like, perfect, I can go through all your stuff then. That's fine, I needed new stuff. Perfect, I want your stuff. She brought in the crime scene text where they found a ridiculous amount of chemicals but not thallium until some empty bottles were tested from the garage and some like dry evidence of it was at the bottom of one of them. After that, they went and arrested George, even with Diana trying to stop them. I guess she was being ridiculous. I was like, he didn't do it. You can't take him. I was like physically trying to stop them. Like Sarah. Yeah. And in January of 1991, he was charged with 15 counts that included product tampering, poisoning, food or water, attempted murder, and murder. He wouldn't take a plea deal because he was innocent, so it went to trial. His lawyer said that the only real evidence against him was the empty bottle with thallium in it in his garage, but he kept the garage unlocked so it could have been anyone. They even kind of blamed his wife and said that if George could have done it, then why couldn't have Diana? He's like, but have you guys looked at my wife? The trial lasted a month, and the jury went over it all in about six hours and found him guilty and sentenced him to death. Even with blaming Diana, she stuck by him and said that he was innocent the whole time, but the two finally divorced in 1996. So for like five years, she stuck with him while he was in jail. Jesus. Diana Carr was never implicated in the poisoning, and she died in 2018 after she had a stroke. George is still alive and on death row in Florida, and he spends all of his time filing appeals because he's innocent. None of them have ever worked, though. Like, he's, he's staying there. 
Detective Susan Gorick that went undercover went on to write a book about this called Poison Mind. And that's the short story of Peggy. It was a very short story. There really wasn't a lot of information on it, which I found weird because I'm like, it seems like a really strange one people would be more interested in, but they found him kind of quick and... Besides the two-year undercover operation, it was kind of fast-moving when they actually had stuff. And it's cut and dry. Jumped right into it. So somebody was poisoning them. And then, other than that, there wasn't much, like, interesting stuff about, like, a backstory or anything. They both had a bunch of kids, got together, and within a year, got married. She died. And then, yeah. That's insane. Quick and easy. Well, thanks for listening, and the next one will be longer. Talk to you guys next time. Bye.